Something familiar, something peculiar, something for everyone, a comedy tonight. Something appealing, something Hello, and welcome to another episode of Grumpy Old Gay Men and Their Dogs. My name is Patrick Van, and I am here with the omnipresent Thomas Gibbons. Hi, bitches. Today is day... 334 of the calendar year. Getting close to the big one. Yes, it is. And how are you today, Thomas? I'm well, thank you. Yeah. And, and how are you? How was your week? Okay, okay. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? I had a lovely Thanksgiving with family. Dinner, conversation, fun laughs. It was nice. Excellent. Glad and to hear you. that. We had a very nice Thanksgiving. We had basically a party of five here. Nice. Our own little group of friends and everything. And that uh, was a nice time. It really was. Excellent. That's, well, what, what more can you ask from a Thanksgiving? You really can. Good meal, good company, good conversation. Done. And good alcohol. Like carbohydrates. <laughs> carbohydrates. Right. Lots of carbohydrates. Carbohydrates. Yeah. Love it. In fact, we should be getting some pie leftovers pretty soon for our I'm, own I'm uh, consumption. For, I'm, I'm here for any kind of pie leftover anything. Right. I love pie. And, of course, we're coming off the very bad, tragic news of the this death of a giant. This is awful. Uh, the, uh, the demise of Stephen Sondheim, uh, which has basically rocked our worlds. Um, yeah. yeah. For, like, for, for a couple hundred... Nah. How many diehard son? How many people affected by that news? Seriously affected. You know, he's not, he was not this huge name, common household name. He wasn't like a superstar household no. common name. Um, but what he did and and amazing, just amazing. There'll never be another one like him. No, there's eras around him. Yes. Like, there's the pre-Sondheim era, Sondheim, and then there's the post-Sondheim yeah. eras, and you could... Which has, some, which has some promise, but, of it'll, but you know, but it'll never reach... I don't think it'll ever reach the heights that Sondheim reached. He, he transformed the American musical. Yeah, yeah. He really did. I, I think he would give that credit to Oscar. Yes, because he learned it at the, you know, basically at the feet of Oscar Hammerstein. Yeah. Yeah, and then he took it to where it was going, or where he saw it going, or where he felt it going, or where he wanted it to go, and he did it. It was amazing. It was the song as the storytelling device instead of the to the song as the uh, as happy just the entertainment, the entertainment you know? during the night. Right. Yeah. No, it became part of the story, and he because of Oscar Hammerstein. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And what he did with it, making it part of the, he he did incredible work, which we'll be discussing. Some more later, um, without uh, a doubt. It is, it is, it is devastating. It is. I mean, he was a ninety-one-year-old man. Who yes, I mean, it should have been. It shouldn't be a surprise, but it still was a surprise. And because let's, let's do this. I'll tell you, he. The last thing he did was Thanksgiving dinner. What do you mean? Oh yeah, he, he had Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving right dinner, before. and they woke up the next morning. Well, the, the, he was dead. Yeah, and that was it. Yeah. And he was only on. He was on Stephen Colbert's show not, not, not like two months ago. Yeah, yeah. And talking about oh, they have a new project. He's, he's writing, they just did a reading for it, and they're going to putting it up next year. And it's like yeah. So this was like I said. It, well, yes, he was ninety one, but it was it's still a shock, you know. Yeah, it's uh, it means something to people. It's it, was it really important. does. It's, yeah, it's important. Not yes. a surprise, not a shock, but to 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 like. Uh, life without Sondheim, day one. You yeah, know, and that, just without him being there. Yeah, it makes a world of difference. It really does. But we'll be getting into more of a discussion about him later on during one of our other segments. For I'm now, sure he'll pop up. Oh yeah, I'm sure he'll pop up. But uh, he'll definitely be popping up later without okay. a doubt in another segment. 
But for now, we're going to move the dogs. on. Yes, we'll be moving on to heavy petting. Heavy petting, the dogs. And usually I bring up a topic for us to discuss. Food, sleeping. Right, but pajamas. I think today, you know what, let's look at some of the local news and see what they have to tell oh. us about what's going on in the world. And maybe that'll give us a launcher point for discussion. Oh, Jesus. Are you going to Sarah McLaughlin on me? Well, no, not no, quite. You can't, dude, you cannot do that to me. Well, I'm going to tell you about one news story that I found. I will, I will tell It's about service dogs. Okay. Okay. It seems that our president, Joe Biden, Joe signed, Biden. Le- signed le- legislation back in August called the uh, the Puppies Assisting Wounded Servicemen, Service Members for Veterans Therapy Act. I love this. Also known as the PAWS Act. I, uh, they're always so clever. And what it does is, previously to this uh, legislation, service dogs were only available to veterans with physical disabilities. Okay. Now oh. it's being extended to include uh, veterans with post-traumatic P- stress PTSD, disorder. Yeah, yeah. Because they're finding that it it significantly no, it's not a cure for PTSD, no. but it significantly significantly lowers the symptoms and you know some of the effects of PTSD. I read something about this. It was the first person told that the dog she had a service dog and. The dog came over and warned her, gave her the warning, was doing all the warning symptoms and, and warned her. She was fine. She didn't know what the hell's going on. Right. What the, what the dog? Ah, ah. So the dog is glitching. And five minutes later, she's having an attack of whatever it was. And the dog's trotting down the hallway with uh, the medication in the dog's mouth to give to her for the pills. Oh, so wow. he knew it was coming. Yeah. And told her it was coming and then went and got what they needed. And, you know, she she went through what she went through. Yeah. But it, was, it didn't kill her. No. And um, she was. It was much lessened for the dog. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Right. And that's why. And plus, they, such a squishy face. Of course. How could you know? Uh, you give me a Labrador or someone. Oh, fuck at it. How do you Abigail not? Was in here. She oh, is. She is in here. She's somewhere she's hiding. Yeah, she's she's over here. She's up well, there. She up. is. There's her highness. Yes, there's our little sweet girl. So yeah, you could tell me those kind of dog stories. Right, service dogs. Service right? dogs. Service dogs are great. Yeah. I mean, even. Even outside of, you know, people with PTSD, dogs are great stress relievers for oh, people God. in general, yeah. you know? It's so true. If you need a smile, go see a dog. Yeah. Even if it's not your dog, go see someone's dog yeah. and put a smile on your face, you know? The and next story... like the purest creatures. And you pair them with anybody. Yeah. Ducklings, elephants. Right? Yeah, they seem to get along with other Everybody. animals very well. <laughs> Everybody. You yeah. don't hear that too often about cats, but I'm yeah. sure to a lesser degree it's true also. I, th- I think a cat tolerates you. Yeah. Or not. Yeah. But a dog is like, but it's a dog, buddy. A dog wants to love you and wants you to love him. Right, and, exactly. Uh, that's always going to be the case with a happy dog. Mm-hmm. Any dog. All dogs. Yeah, definitely. The same thing. Our next story concerns, it was a new story about a Colorado dog rescue group that is now seeing a record number of dogs being returned to them. I don't I don't like this. Yeah, they're basically saying that all the, the almost all these dogs is like 99% of them are being returned because of the person's change in their life. And it's because people are traveling more, covid dogs, and they're moving out of state or they can't find housing that will allow pets any longer. Are they called covid dogs? They're basically so yeah, cuz most are. a lot of them were adopted in 2020. Because people were home then, and now people are, well, we're supposedly going back to quote-unquote normal, or as normal as it gets. And, you know, people are traveling more and getting more mobile, so now the dogs have got to suffer. 
The dog's a nuisance, so I can't have it in my life. So here, you do you do this, right? I mean, I, it's it's just. I mean, yes, I'm sure there are circumstances beyond some of these people's control that they have no choice. You, you have get to rid allow of the dog. for that always. But I think there are also some of them. It's like you know what? You knew your circumstances were eventually going to change back to something resembling normality before the pandemic. You know, so you knew that when you when you got the dog, and you should have realized that. Before you adopted the dog in the first place. Yeah. A year old dog is a whole lot different than a puppy. Right? I mean, that's even when Steve and I got a dog. We waited for so long because neither one of us was home during the day. Yeah. You know, we were gone from basically 8 in the morning, getting home by 6, 7 at night. Right, right, right. It wasn't to us. It wasn't fair to leave a dog alone at home. You could do that with some like dogs. That. You could do yes, that with you can, there are plenty of dogs you can do that with. I didn't want to do it to any dog. Yeah, I don't think it's yeah. fair. Dogs love to be around people. Yeah. Like so, an English bulldog needs 20 minutes, 15 minutes. The rest of the time, he's asleep. Right? Yeah. That's when they do spend a lot of time sleeping. Farting. But they also like to be able to sleep knowing that there's going to be someone home with them. Too, Duh, yeah, know? yeah. They smell it. So like I said, we waited until I started working from home. And then that's when we finally got a dog. And nothing's changed since. Yeah. Thank heavens for that. So if you're going to buy a dog or adopt a dog, make sure you're absolutely sure that you have the time and space and commitment to devote to the dog for years to come. Yeah, it's it's a it's a commitment. Yeah. It's a commitment. You're you're making a commitment to that animal and you should follow it through. Yep. Again, giving the allowances for the unforeseen circumstances such as fill it in. Exactly. Uh yeah, but no. But I guess it depends on who you think the dog is, or what you think the dog is, or what you think the dog feels, or what you think the dog knows, or senses, or, you know, if, I think if you had a sense that the dog relied on you. Right. That was, the the dog's whole life is you. Yeah, definitely. Um, And how you treat it. So, do they care about that? Does that not care? Does that not register? Do they don't know that? Do they don't sense that when you're oh, around I the dog? Oh, I think they do. Who I think they people? do. I don't know. But I think the dog sense that, definitely. Where the dog is property and, 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 and a sort of, not sound tree-huggy, but, you know, granola crunching, but, like, part of the family. Like, it's, yeah. it's part of the pack. You have to understand that. Or is that just a psycho dog person being overly dramatic? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. If only there were people out there who could tell us. Yeah, if only. If only there was somebody who could, I don't know, send an email message or uh, reply on some of the platforms. That would be nice. Yes. Some. Some. <laughs> I asked you for a comma. <laughs> None of you sent a comma. So, yeah. Well, Nothing. What were you saying? Nothing. I, I, I was going to move on to our final story. I, I believe that, that I've made it awkward between me and the 500 people. I think you should do that. Yes, I will. Uh, our last story is really a local story. This okay. is one Stephen brought to my attention, that there seems to be a growing rash of dog thefts on Long Island. I heard about this. That supposedly people are being, like I guess, followed home when they're, being, when they're out walking their dogs. And I guess then they wait for the owner to let the dog out in the yard to go pee. And then they go to grab the dog. Huh. And Diabolical. And see, I, I read about this maybe about last week or so. And Stephen reminded me that it was only a couple of months ago that there was some van that was basically following me one time walking Abigail. Then like, it went down the block. It came back down the block. Are you sure that wasn't the candy man looking for you? I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to know. Okay. But um, I can guess we ponder so- a second what that candy man might be? What do you mean, chasing you? 
<laughs> Do we have to? Uh, what 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 that character might be? No, I'd rather not. All right, let's go. <laughs> Joshua. But I guess it's just a warning to people when you let your dog out, you may want to go outside with them, you know? If you walk your dog, and that's how the dog relieves itself, I guess it's the dog. Do you need to let the dog well, outside? See, I mean, we they're, let... they're, they're stealing tiny dogs. I know. Uh, Boston Terriers. Or, I know, but... Or Can Terriers like Abby, yeah, yeah. you know? Little that's dogs. why now I got to worry about going outside every time we let her go outside yeah. and go pee, you know? But this is what you got to do when you have this kind of crap going on. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame, but that's the world we live in. People suck. Yes, they do. People suck. We now move on to your favorite segment, Tommy. It's the bur- I'm going to be adult and mature about it. <laughs> yes, it's today's birthdays. Today's birthdays. I'm 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 going to tolerate it. <laughs> I'm so glad. Are you ready for your first birthday celebration uh, I here? I am ready to celebrate the first birthday. Fantastic. How dead. He was born November 30th, 1835. Dead, dead. He died April 21st, 1910. He was born and raised in Missouri. After briefly working as a riverboat pilot on the Mississippi River and in mining, he turned to journalism and writing. His first successful print success, I guess, was the 1865 short story, The Celebrated Jumping Frog of Calaveras County. His wit and satire, both in print and speech, made him very popular, and he was soon rubbing elbows with presidents and artists and industrialists and royalty. He was married and had four children. He was an ardent anti-imperialist, supported the the abolition of slavery, supported women's equality and the right to vote, supported the labor movement. He was a Presbyterian, but he criticized, uh, he was very critical of organized religion. He was born... Isn't that what Presbyterians do? I don't know. I'm not a Presbyterian, so I wouldn't know. Well, they exist in the world around you. You knew about mm. India two weeks well, ago. Well, I don't know about Presbyterians. All right. They're, a, sect Presbyterian? of, they're a Protestant sect. A Protestant. Maybe I'm thinking Protestant. That's what They're a Protestant sect. They're, they're all Protestant. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Catholic Lutherans are, are Baptists. Yeah. So all Protestant unless it's Catholic. Yep. Or, or Eastern Orthodox. Or oh, the Russian thing. Is that, right, is that's that Eastern the Orthodox. Orthodox yeah. uh, the Greek? The Greek? Greek Orthodox, too. Yes, that's considered... Same yeah. thing? Yep, okay. I believe so, yes. Okay. Still haven't figured out who this is yet, huh? No, I have no idea. I want to say, um, uh, what's the kid who... who? Well, he wrote uh, books such as Puddinghead Wilson and Life on the Mississippi, and his autobiography was very famous. But his two most famous books are 1876's The Adventures of Tom Sawyer and the 1884 sequel, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Did he call him Huckleberry? He didn't write Huck Finn? No, he wrote Huckleberry Finn. Huckleberry Finn. He was born Samuel Clemens. That's Samuel Clemens. But his real is better known as... As Mark Twain. Mark Twain. Uh, I I read something gross about him just today. Oh, no. I don't know what it was. Something maybe something about personal habits at the time. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, yeah. Happy birthday, Mark. Happy good birthday, there, Mark Twain. Yeah, good characters, right? Yeah, good. Yeah, Huckleberry Finn's a classic. Tom Sawyer. To me, I know Tom Sawyer more than I know Huckleberry Finn. Huckleberry Finn was like the more mischievous sort of bad boy, right? And Tom did bad, but he was a good boy. Yes. He yeah, did bad that's things, a good way of characterizing But he was a good boy. Huckleberry Finn was sort of the sly, giggling at the danger, uh, tempting people. 
I'm sounding like I'm, I'm describing a snake, which I don't mean to do at all. More Jove, more happily mischievous. More, okay. He was bad. He was he bad. He was bad. He wasn't He's a killing bad anybody, boy. but he was bad. He did bad things on purpose. <laughs> yeah, he was bad. Tom, Tom did less of that. That's my impression. And I, I'm sorry I spent so much time trying to say that. Quite all right. Our next birthday, also dead. Okay. Born November 30th, 1936. Mm. He co-founded with Jerry Rubin the Youth International Party, an anti-authoritarian group that employed performance art, guerrilla warfare, and political re- irreverence in mocking the establishment. Known as Yip? Known as the Yippie, as the Yips or the Yippies. This party, they actually nominated a pig for president in 1968. Where was this? This was in Washington, D.C. That, that the Yippies did this. During the 1967 March on Washington, they surrounded the Pentagon in an attempt to levitate it. <laughs> Good for them. How'd it go? Not too well, yeah. obviously. You know, people believe all sorts of things. You never know when those. I know. Who are those people now waiting uh, at Dealey Plaza for JFK Jr.? Yeah, I know. I think they're still out there, too. But these people, the Yippies, and like I said, this guy who co-founded it, most famous for hosting a Festival of Life in Chicago during the 1968 Democratic Convention. Mm. And we know what happened then. Wasn't a good night. And this man, along with Jerry Rubin and five others, were arrested for conspiracy to cross state lines to incite a riot. Okay. That's got to be kind of hard to prove. Of course. Well, no. Which, well, they were convicted after mm. a trial, but there was later the convictions were later vacated on appeal, and then the state chose not to re-prosecute them. So that was the end of that. This person was also famously kicked off the stage by Pete Townsend of The Who at the Woodstock Festival in 1969, oh, when he went up on stage during a sound, uh, quick sound check to make a speech about a political prisoner. Uh, I forget the prisoner's name now. But, mm. yeah, Pete Towns- Townsend went ballistic and went after him. Bobby Sinclair. That's who he was making a speech about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete Townsend went ballistic and basically threw him off the stage. knocked the shit out of him off the really? stage. Really? Yeah. Physically, like, threw him off the stage? Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. In 1971, he published a book called Steal This Book, and that's what people did, (laughs) to the point where bookstores stopped carrying it because people were stealing it. He was arrested in 1973 for selling cocaine, Uh but he skipped bail, and then he basically went underground, although he was later found living upstate, being an environmental activist in upstate New York. He sounds like a hoot. He surrendered in 1980. He was sentenced to one year and served four months. He continued his political activism through the 80s until his death by intentional overdose of 150 phenobarbital tablets. Oh, God. Yeah. His name was Abby Hoffman. Um, yeah. You know what? There's a life, too. That's that's a hell of a story. Right? But, yeah, he died so young, though. He was only, what, 53? Yeah, but he wrote it hard. Obviously. I mean, he would. that, that was the core of a change of a cultural shift. Uh, yeah, it was a major cultural shift at that time and he was in the, he was in the crux of it. Yeah. Pointing it out, shoving it in people's faces and being loud and aggressive and fabulous about it. Yep. Yeah, everything he did was political. Yeah. Well, happy birthday, Abby. Happy happy birthday, Abby. Next up, this will be two quick birthdays. This one's this one's living, born on November 30th, 1947. He uh, wrote the screenplays for the films The Verdict and House of Games and Wag the Dog. Uh, he also um, 
won Pulitzer Prizes for the 1984 play Glengarry Glen Ross. Oh, what's his name? And 1995's A Cryptogram. Never heard of it. Glengarry Glen Ross also won the Best Play Tony. And his playwright also won the Best Play Tony for 1988's Speed the Plow. His that other pl- won a Tony? What? Speed the Plow won a Tony for the writer? Uh, for Best Play, yes. Did I read that right? Uh, that's what you said. Yes, yeah, so they did. A Tony for Best Play for Speed the Plow. Speed the Plow. I his his other is. plays include American Buffalo, The Water Engine. I want to say Sam Shepard. Oleana. Nope, you'd be wrong. And Boston Marriage. Who is he? I don't know. He is highly conservative. He's a uh, reformed Jew. He supported Donald Trump in 2016. I don't know if he supported him in 2020. Somebody that far certainly, certainly did. I don't know. His name is David Mamet. Oh, David Mamet. I thought for sure you'd get that one. You know what? Speed the Plot was because he was David Mamet. That's not a very good play. I never saw it. I've read reviews. I've read it. it. it was, yeah, it, it, it was not a very good play. Okay. Um, He was touch and go, Mamet. He was so mad so often. Well, yeah, he was. He had a lot of anger. He was, there's, there's a lot. That's... Uh, but he has some good plays. Like American Buffalo is a good play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing about the real estate agents, Glenn Gary Van turned into a successful Ross. movie. Right? Yeah, exactly. Did he do much screenwriting? Like I say, he wrote for The Verdict, House of Games, Way of the Dog. He wrote the screenplays for those. So, yeah, I'd say yeah, he wrote other ones as well, but... All right. Wow. Yeah. This is an important day. Yes. And what was it? Uh, number what, 345? 345 is an important day. It's going to take some getting used to. Yes. This whole change in the Gregorian calendar that I'm making. And it's day, I think it's day 344. 344? Let me just make yeah, sure. Yeah, it's important. That's, it was turned out. I'm oh, sorry, no, day 334. 334. Excuse me, 334. 334. Our last birthday, finally. He was born November 30th, 1952. He won a uh, Emmy Award for Outstanding Actor in a Drama Series for the TV show Chicago Hope. He was also in the TV series Criminal Minds and Homeland. Oh, this is, what's his name, The Handsome Fellow? He starred in the films Rad Time and Yentl and, of course, oh, The oh, Princess Bride. Oh, Famous oh, for the line, oh, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare oh, to die. Um, lastly... He won the Best Featured Actor Tony Award oh for his portrayal of Che Guevara in 1979's Evita. I'm going to kill myself. He was also in Sunday in the Park with George. He was George. The, the Secret Garden. And the Michael Achusa production or version of The Wild Party. Oh, that recording is good. Yes, it is. I'm not a lot of people like it. No, it is good. I like it. But it's a it's, they, they do lipa. Right. Instead, people stage Lippa. Yeah. And I think it's hard to stage Lacusa. Um, I saw Bernardo Alba. Oh, my God. What is this guy's name? I don't know. You should know it. Wait. Shame you have to you. give me a second. Give me something again. Criminal Minds. He left after the, after two seasons because he couldn't take all the blood oh, and God. murder and he stuff. Was, what's what's her, her, he, he's got a, a model wife. Yeah, or lovely wife. You've seen him on interviews lately. He looks like a, a little happy. Harry guy. Hamlin. No, Harry Hamlin. Okay. Uh, uh, Shea Guevara in Evita. Oh, Shea Guevara. Shea Guevara. Okay. Uh, uh, George on a Sunday. Finishing the hat, finishing the hat, finishing. Did he ever finish the fucking hat? Did he finish it? He must have finished it. <laughs> finishing the hat. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, God. Should I give you his first initial? It, w- it might help. M. Mandy Patinkin. Yes. 
Oh my god! That was pulling teeth. Imagine Jesus it was like Christ. in for the rest of us. Damn! All right, so uh, it's it took some time. Obviously, jeez. Right. Maybe I should reboot. Obviously, maybe. I maybe me. Who's got biggies? <laughs> Whose little hands are these? We now move on to this day in history. Uh, this is my favorite part. I love this day in history. On this day, in November 30th, 1803, the Balmis expedition set off from Spain to begin a mass vaccination against smallpox in Spanish America and Asia, led by Dr. Francisco Javier de Balmis. He sounds hot. It took the vaccine to the Canary Islands, okay. Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, Mexico, the Philippines, and China. Nice. From 1803 to 1806. It is considered the first international vaccination campaign in world history. Nice. Right? The Spanish did this? Yep. Yes, uh, they did, what's right? the question? No, there is no question. Oh, that's this, what they that's did, what they did in this day. day in history. Yep. Back in 1803. 1803. You know what? <coughs> they went out there, make sure they gave it to people, take care of our people. Yeah. Because you know what? It's coming here. And not near as, you know, back then it was, that's forethought. Well, especially there. back then, smallpox decimated the native population. Exactly. You know, when the, exactly. when the Spanish it takes, arrived. It takes forever to, for news to travel. And the viruses travel faster than coconut shells. I yep. don't mean to sound like, you know, banging together like natives, but that's what it sounds like. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you, you take care of those people. That's what they did. That's good for Spain, right? I love you, Spain. I love your men. I love your wine. I love your rice. I love your grilling fish. I love. I love Spain. I want to go to Spain. I want. You know where I want to go? Uh, uh, Barcelona. Barcelona. <laughs> How did I know? Uh, of course, you knew. It's a Sondheim song. It's a Sondheim song. First of all, it got a whole song. Um, and my niece went there for her birthday, and I want to see that, not for her birthday, for her honeymoon, and I want to see that cathedral that's not finished yet. Okay. I know which one you're talking about. I can't think of the name. Um, like, those kind of things fascinate me. I want to see Portugal because I want to see that coast. That's got to be some of the most beautiful coast in the world. Right. So, yeah, I, I like that part of the world. Oh, I like I, I like it over there. I've never been there. I'd like to go. I'll never go. You never know. Oh, I know. You never know. Anyway, for also this day in history, let's see if you can guess. This album was released on oh, this day in history. I'm bad at this. It was this artist's sixth solo album produced oh. by Quincy Jones. Oh, Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson is the artist. Can you name the album? Beat it. No. Uh, no. Thriller. Thriller. It is the best-selling album in in history. In history, by far. With 70 million copies yeah. sold worldwide, followed by ACDC's 1980's Back in Black. It is the second best-selling album in U.S. history. Number one is the Eagles' 1976 Greatest Hits album. And number three is the Eagles' 1976 album Hotel California. Okay. Smack dab in the middle. Right. Amazing. Among the songs that were released, uh, all released as singles were "Wanna Be Starting Something." You want to be starting? Oh my God! And that was like the, that was high that was a great number, me. great number to dance to. Isn't everything he did in the eighties was like and the, the girl is mine and Thriller and Beat It? I and learned all Billie the Jean dances. I taught it to and my Human friends. Nature and oh, Pyt. God. I loved every one of them. Yep, and they were all they all were si released as singles. All of them reached the top ten, with Beat It and Billie Jean reaching number one. 
Well, Billy Jean, I mean, it got to the point where it was like, uh, could you play some? Because there was radio and that was it. Yeah. Right. What they played on the radio was what you listened to. I know. And it, it, he was so ever-present. And it also won a record-breaking eight Grammy Awards. Wow. That was later tied by Santana in 2000. That's a good album, though, that Santana. Yeah, that is a good album also. That's the one with Rob Thomas, right? Yep, that's I, the one. I, that song, I love that song. Smooth. I love that song. <laughs> no, seriously, I have like a visceral reaction to that song. It's a great song. Santana is brilliant on it, but Rob Thomas's voice is just fucking killer. Killer. Well, good. good. Happy for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're a dick. Move on. Are you supposed to, as a host, let the conversation thud like that? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's my job to pick it back pick up. Pick it again. back up. All right. To, re- so to revive it. I'll drop it. After you, you pick it up. it to a pulp. I'm with you. I pick it up. Okay. Here we go. We now move on to what day is it? What day is it? Today. Wait, is this my favorite thing about the show? I don't know. Do we call this a show? Yes. It's a show. Okay. Because <laughs> um, the show implies production. Yes. Um, no, this is different from before. Well, before was Today in History. Today in History. Today and this is, is what day is it? What day is it? Today in History, what day? You know what? Maybe they're too close together in the lineup. Oh, should I separate them? I think you might have to. Okay, let, let me, me announce the, what days in the beginning when we announce like it's day three thirty-four. I'm still having tr- I'm still having trouble with with it in my head. I did, I ignored that whole sentence ending with three thirty-four, except for the three thirty-four <laughs> part, which I assume was meant to be a dig. Yes, it was and for that and for probably many missed others. Fuck you. Um, I don't know what we're talking about anymore, so... We've, we've moved on to the, what day is it? What day is it? Show. Confuses me because it sounds too much like this day in history. Well, it's close. Today is St. Andrew's Day. I love Andrews. St. Andrew, of course, was the brother of the Apostle Peter, according of to the New Testament. They were both fishermen. He was the second brother, though. I nobody, don't know. Nobody really gave a shit about Andrew. Yeah. He was crucified in Western Greece in 60 AD. See? He was known for being crucified, supposedly, on an X-shaped cross. Oh. Yes. Because supposedly, according to what the tales are, he did not think he was worthy to be hung on the same, same shaped cross, cross as, as, Christ. as Christ was. And he was 60 years after his death? 60 years after 60 Christ's death? 60 AD, so roughly 60 50, years after Christ's, well, Christ's death. Well, 50-something. Well, hold on. Explain to me your math. It, supposedly, Christ died, if he was, if you're counting from zero... Christ died when he was in his 30s. Or oh, is that 33, 34, or something we start, like that? Do we start the calendar with his birth, or we start the I calendar don't know. with his death? I don't know. They don't start it with his death. They start his death. His death is later. So he died. Because they also go by Roman records as well. Okay, so hold on. Just let me catch up on this. this is something we should both be able to answer. I doubt we can. So this is good. No, I think we can. Because if it was the, with his birth... Of course it's his birth. It's the birth of Christ. That's what B.C. means. Before Christ. Before birth Christ. of Christ. Okay? So his birth, his birthday is the beginning of the calendar. Because he died on he died in A.D. 33. Right. So this guy comes around in A.D. 60. Right. And what's he doing? Was he the, He was Paul's brother, so he was yes, there. Yes, he was one of the apostles. Okay. So he's still alive 30 years later. Yes. Okay. So and he's then, in the and 50s. Then he's later crucified. And he got crucified on yep. on an X shaped cross because he ain't good enough for the T. Well, because he was a pro- subservient. He thing. was proselytizing Christianity, and it was against the Roman Empire. So that's yeah, why. they they do what they do. 
Well, that's too bad for Andrew. Yes. So while he's also he's primarily known as the patron saint of Scotland, he is also the patron saint of Barbados, Georgia, Ukraine, Russia, Greece, Cyprus, and Romania. When do you pray to him? I guess today is a good day for it. Is today he's like Saint Andrew's Day? Today is Saint Andrew's Day. That's why we're talking about it. What was he saying? What was he? What he was, was a his... patron saint of fishermen, fishermen, rope makers, okay, textile workers, singers, miners, singers, pregnant women, butchers, farm workers. He's also said to protect against sore throats, convulsions, fever, and whooping cough. He sounds like fun to me, <laughs> Andrew. And you know what? You know his mother liked Paul better. You know, you mean, like everybody, you mean Peter. Peter. Everybody was. Everybody was all about Peter, and Peter's so great, and Peter, Peter, Peter. And uh, good for you, Andrew. Good for you. <laughs> Take one. Good for you. You did good. You get your participation trophy. Yeah. You no. You did good. You you, you followed through. Whether or not I believe what you did, what you said you were going to do, you followed through. You paid good. Good for you, Andrew. Here's to you. And and I like farmers and what were the other people? Winemakers and no, no not winemakers. Anyway, anyway, sounds like fun to me. Prostitutes, pregnant women, not prostitutes. Yes, and also pregnant you know, women are a hoot. Yes, they are. Also, you know what today is? Is the National Day of Giving. Yeah, to Giving Tuesday. Yes. I was thinking about this on the ride over. Are we just not stretching this far? How many holidays can we pile on that? Well, how many? You got Thanksgiving, which yes. to some people will tell you there is a Thanksgiving Eve, which right. is ridiculous. Yes. It's accurate, but it's fucking ridiculous. Right. It's not a holiday. The day after Thanksgiving, it's not a holiday. Uh, Black Friday. Mm-hmm. So Saturday after Thanksgiving is not a holiday. No, we know. It's got a name, too. Saturday, I think. Monday, Sunday, everybody takes off. Thank God for Jesus. Right. Now, on, on Monday, you got your entire Cyber Monday. Yeah. Now, we got Giving Tuesday. Yeah. Can I have a minute? Can I breathe? Sunday wasn't enough. And, you know, tomorrow is. I, no, I don't know what tomorrow is. Tomorrow's, tomorrow's World AIDS Day. World AIDS Day. And the day without art. Is that tomorrow, December 1st? Yes. Yeah, tomorrow's World AIDS Day. So, yeah, I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot really quick, really fast. Well, you don't have to observe all of these No, days. no, but you have to, you sort of, it's a lot. It's just all these days <laughs> with all their names. It's 334, 337, 338, 339, 340. Those days are rough. <coughs> They're rough. <coughs> I'm sorry, you feel that way. Uh, you know, it's just, it's a lot. It's, calm down. I'm doing fine. You're honey. fine. You're fantastic. You're the one who's getting all agitated here. You're a calming presence. Oh, yeah. Somebody yeah. didn't yeah, I'm, just, use the I'm word a fucking agita. service dog. You're, who's a service dog? That's what I'm saying. You're saying I'm a calming presence. You're okay. Yeah, I you're, said, yeah, I'm a service dog. Yeah. <laughs> do, you see the, do you see the picture of the dogs learning how to, learning etiquette, learning like public theater etiquette? And they were sitting, it was just dogs sitting, and it was probably photoshopped, but it was a dog. A uh, whole bunch of like golden retrievers, nice, you know, oh, dogs. Yeah. Sitting in in a theater. Okay. And you saw just the seats and the dogs. They were separated. Yeah. They were far away yeah. from each other. But they were all sitting there, and you just saw their heads picking up. And evidently, the, as part of their training, they would go to thea- thea- They would have theatrical performance. Okay. And it was them watching Billy Elliot. Now I'm sure they didn't produce Billy. Spent the day doing Billy Elliot for the fucking service. Dogs. You'd be surprised. Really. But uh, it was just, it's its the dogs. It's all about the dogs. It's all about the dogs. It's all about the dogs. 
We now, we are going to skip over our usual segment of looking to my briefs. Oh, wow. There's really nothing le- legally significant has happened Born all that week. much. I mean, the last thing that happened was last week, the Ahmaud Arbery trial. Oh. The verdict came in, and, you know, I think uh, I'm also talking about uh, that now. It's already a week's gone by. Let's just, this is an appropriate point to drop down the school shooting that happened again today. Well, yeah, as we're speaking right now, there was a school shooting in Michigan, Michigan apparently. Three people dead. Three people dead, five wounded. A 15-year-old. 15-year-old kid. Who sat there and then waited to be picked up. Yeah. I mean, he, it's way suppose he surrendered to the he police could have problems. Sh- he, he, he could have shot. Or... The gun had the capacity. Well, whether we don't like know he enough had the yet. bullets. We uh, all we know is he had a semi-automatic weapon right he, now. We he, don't know anything he beyond that. He shot eight people. He shot in his at least life, eight, eight, eight people, people. Whatever. Uh, three of them dead, and then he sat down and waited to be picked up. Yeah, the whole thing in five minutes. Right now, yeah, the whole thing took five long. minutes because, like we said, once it, the one person, the one kid, the one adult, the one person has to die yeah. before everybody else knows that there's a shooting going on. Right. Right now. Because it's always in the most, you know, unexpected of places. Of course. Uh, so it's chaos. It is ca- It is yep. chaos. You can create absolute chaos. Yeah, yeah. It's too bad. It it's, is. It's, it's horrible. It's too bad. It's exhausting. But until our culture changes concerning guns, it's going to just happen again it. and again. Connecticut. What was the thing in Connecticut? They just fucking Alex Jones has to pay, hopefully, out his yeah. ass right? for what he did to those people yep. in Connecticut. Well, Sandy Hook. Sandy Hill. Sandy, Sandy Hook. Hook. Sixth graders. Yeah. Uh, not sixth graders. 26 first graders. Six-year-olds. <laughs> Come on. What's it going to take? Nothing. What's, what's it going to take? It's going to take the repeal of the Second Amendment. Which means it's going to take... you have Concerning, to, concerning guns. Yeah. You have to become, then, a national presence that can control... That, that can outvote the Republicans. You have to basically make it a movement like the abolition of slavery was a movement. That's what, that's the way. That's what's going to have to be done with guns. How far do you think it should go? What a do you mean? Ban? Uh, no, no. Well, what I'm saying is, if you repeal the Second Amendment, yes, that means there is no longer any federal constitutional protection, right. which means the states are then free make their own laws. to regulate the guns as they as wish they or fit. not regulate the guns as they see fit. Exactly. What they want to do to abortion, I want to do with guns. Okay. Repeal the Second Amendment. You know. They want to basically repeal now the right to privacy when it comes to Roe v. Wade. That's, a, that's basically what's at stake. Is that what they're doing? They're, well, they're going to basically say they're going to re- basically say that I don't know what they're going to say. I really don't know how they're going to handle this this Mississippi case. I don't even want to think about that. I don't know too much to think about it either. But I want to go back to where this led into. Well, what led well into we were this? talking about the the, the gun shooting. Oh, today. The gun, you know, it's it's exhausting because it's so stupid and it's so clear. <laughs> I know. Now I got to state my position clearly and publicly. All guns, mm-hmm. all of them, should be put in a bag. Yes. You know, however much it takes, a, a big container, whatever it takes, and they should all be sent to the moon. That's what should happen, and you should go. You should go find them. Just the guns. Yeah. You should go get the guns. Whatever else you see, you ignore. Where are the guns? Do you have guns? Okay. I don't know of any Every other single gun. I don't know of any other culture that has the proliferation of guns that we do. It does. It, and it other other countries and societies <coughs> seem to do fine without them. Overall, uh, you know, uh, it's amazing. It's just it's now now it becomes just this. Accident that you that you've seen happen that's yep. still happening. It's just this continuous watching this huge horrible traffic accident frame by frame by frame, and each frame adds a new dimension to what the. It's just, it's never ending. It's 
it's a it's a disgrace. It's a human disgrace. Yeah, it's, it's the worst of human. Yeah, that that we do this. I agree. Let's move on. Let's move on. We now move on to our next segment. We like to watch. Oh, you watch anything exciting this week, Tommy? Uh, uh, I did watch, and I thank you for this because I I didn't realize that there were new episodes released. Of what? Of the great. Yes, we just watched the uh, two the first two episodes. Yeah. He is so... Nicholas Holt is excellent. Is that his name? Yeah, he Nicholas Holt. He is so sexy. Yes, he is. He's sexy and he's a if, dick. If you watched him, <laughs> he's everything you you could want to Right? Uh, if you watched him with the sound off, he's sexy. Yeah. He's dumb as a brick. Yeah. Yeah, the character, he plays the character great. Oh, he he's, really he's does. just great. She's great. I, uh, uh, I did know there was one episode that I think I'm... I think... I just watched the fourth episode, so I'm when I'm just okay. The third episode, okay, is where not where I noticed that they started using the current curse words. They started saying "fuck" and "cunt." Oh no, they've been saying that for a while. They have, yeah. But it's always it never seemed because in the second episode, the whole fight going on. There was a lot of the F-bombs being dropped. It seemed excessive to me in the episode that I saw, but it's probably not uncommon. It seemed like they were trying too hard to point it out. I know, yeah. Uh, but it's funny when it's used when it's used right and well, which they do a lot. A lot. Uh, it's very funny, and it, and it frequently comes as a surprise how absolutely raunchy it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a very it's a smart show, and he is sexy as. Like I said, fuck. he 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 steals the show because he is just yeah so good. In the I mean, part. just to, like right now, my in my head, I'm imagining him, <laughs> and I see him like bursting through a door, and the camera pans to he's now walking toward the camera after making this dramatic right turn. Walks toward the camera, and he's got the tightest, shiniest, beautiful pants on, and, and his brocade overcoat that oh, I love flows. That. Oh, that coat! Oh, he, and he's sexy, and he just sits into his hips. God, he's beautiful. He, yes, he is. And I noticed that not every picture of him is beautiful. Like there are some people. Oh, that yeah. No matter where you photograph him from, they're, they're no, gorgeous. No, but in this, he's not always beautiful. I mean, he was in the um, the X Men movies. He played. I have no played, idea about that. Okay, uh, but he is one. He's sexy all the time, and he's so fucking stupid. Yeah, I said yeah, his character is just. Great. It's a great character. Stupid it's it's is. a great character. <laughs> It really is. Because he's adorable, but he's dumb as a brick. Yeah. And he does what he wants, and he wins. He's he's Huckleberry Finn. He's the bad boy. Right. He I knows he's boy. doing the wrong thing. Right. He knows he's being bad. <laughs> so sexy. So sexy. Anything else you watched? Uh, no. No? Not really. A lot of news. Okay. Like I always watch. I, the news is really on all of the time for me. Okay. Just sort of, a, it, it becomes numbing. Yeah. Which I find is... Uh, we only watch it maybe like during dinner. That's about it. And only lately because we, if we're if we know we're going out like after we eat, then we just watch the news. I also watched the new season, the new first two episodes of Star Trek Discovery. Oh, uh, are you a Trekkie? Oh God, yes, really. From Trek, the original Star series. Trek over Star Wars. Yep. No. Uh, yeah. Star Trek over Star Wars. Yeah. What's yeah, your favorite season? So. God, there's got to be how many seasons were there? Well, there's the original series. Right. There there's the next generation. Years. Okay, that's where I well, I came in and stopped at Next Generation. Okay. Patrick Stewart. Uh, there's Deep Space Nine. Okay, so a couple. There's Voyager. Uh, the female captain. 
Yes, that was uh, Kate Mulgrew. Yeah, I love her. She's great. Then there was, I think it's Enterprise with Scott Bakula. Love him. Don't know that at all. Yeah. Scott Bakula is the guy who jumps into different bodies at different points he's in, Yeah, uh, Quantum Leap. I love that idea. <laughs> I watched a few of those episodes, but I love that whole idea. I think that's all the series, and now the current one, Star Trek Discovery. Don't and know. there are supposedly two more on the way. Okay, so Star Trek or Star Wars? <laughs> yeah, I like I... I grew up with Star Trek, and it was in the 60s, yeah. when I grew up, you yeah, know? Yeah. So I grew up with Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock and, okay. and all them, you know? Who's your favorite character? Uh, Dr. McCoy. Really? Oh, yeah. he looked like you. Dr. McCoy. Because <laughs> he's always getting cantankerous. Yeah, Irish. <laughs> Damn it, Jim. He always gives the emotional arguments. Oh, uh, yeah. He's emotion versus Spock's reasoning and logic. And he's, of course, the only one who can stop anything. Like, well, he's, he, he can overrule the captain. He's the only one who, for a reason, yeah. can overrule the captain. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's Spock. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. I always thought, um, who was the guy who was in front of you? Not, oh, God, the Latino guy. There was a Latino guy who sat in the front. Who's well? There was Chekhov and Sulu. Chekhov, right? Yeah. He okay. Hot. He was hot. Okay. I like Chekhov. Oh, then they brought they brought him on for the youth to get the youth audience because then they basically went on the the, the, the Beatles mop the Beatles top. haircut. Yeah. You know he was cute. What was his name? Sukov? Uh, <laughs> Chekhov. Ensign Chekhov. Ensign Chekhov. Yep. Like Walter Chekhov, played by Walter Koenig, oh, who is still alive. No, as far as I know, he's still alive. I'm sure. you, Walter. He was hot. Alive. Um, and after that, the only other new thing we watched was the uh, ooh. Oh, Excuse gay. me, because I just got handed some peanut oh, butter pie. You are, and a Thomas bitch. got handled got handed pumpkin pie. Oh, and I by pie. my wonderful husband and producer Steve. Thank you so much. This is fabulous. Don't so if you don't mind, we're gonna be eating the during the, end of the rest of this segment. Oh my, this is, ooh, this is so good. We now move on to our next segment, Five Faves. Five Faves. Oh, this is where my heart breaks. And today, Five Faves are our favorite Sondheim musicals. So, what's your first choice? Sweeney Todd. Okay. One of my choices. I know what your first choice is. Okay, well, you let me know when I get to it. Sweeney Todd. Sweeney. Sweeney Todd is like... Uh, it's an absolute masterpiece. It's a ballad opera. Yeah, as I say, it's about as close to a Broadway opera as you're ever going to get. And he's he's always been faced with the question of, is it opera or is it musical theater? And Why can't it be both? Well, it, he I think he always said it depends on what house it's playing in. Yeah. If it's playing at the Met, it's an opera. <laughs> right? If it's playing at the Broadway... It's a musical. But I mean, I know there have been like operatic productions of it, you know, where they had opera singers in all the roles. I think it's an accomplishment, a masterpiece. Yes. I, I think musically, as original music, not pastiche, to, there was a lot of what you would recognize from old English times, old Italian. Yeah, times, he did Mirror of the Times. But just a brilliant, just a brilliant, it is, it's a brilliant mind bending piece of writing. Yep, I agree. Completely agree. So that becomes first for me. All right. So that's on my list I as saw well. Patti LuPone with Michael Severus. And I saw the same production. Manolo. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Because I waited to stage and Now, here I am, a gay man in New York, just saw Patti LuPone play Mrs. Lovett. I'm standing outside the stage door. I wait to see Man- Manolo. Man- Whatever his name was. Yeah, Man- 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 he Man- played Toby. Yes. Okay. There was a relationship 
displayed on stage, played on stage that n- was not written in. Right. They yeah. did it in the staging. Him and the first one who dies, I think it would, could it have been Pirelli who becomes a nurse. The conceit is that the story is being told by Toby in who finds asylum. himself in an insane asylum. Yeah. So he's relaying the story of Sweeney Todd to whoever is in the insane asylum. So, or to us, who, or to his mind. But it's his perspective of the story. And there is this woman who dies early. And every time they cross paths, they build on this relationship where he's sort of afraid of her but wants that, like... Uh, She's all cruel and awful to him. She's the nurse over while being his nurse, and the and it was clear uh, they were definitely playing that. So I waited at the stage door to ask him about it, and he stopped. And I said, "Where did that come from? How did that happen?" He said, "We were doing a rehearsal, and they just he just said, just keep that in. Yeah, you know it works. Just just keep it. It go, it's organic, and it's you could do anything with it if you have an idea. Yes." It's I agree. such a brilliant piece. I wish, I although wish, I've seen, I think the last production I saw of it, I was not, it was a local production. It's hard to produce. I was not too pleased with it. I was not too pleased with the ending where the director decided to have everyone jump off with a noose around their head. And it's like, what was the point of doing that? And it made no sense. But then a lot of this production didn't. Uh, guess my first choice, which I'm, I already said, is going to be Follies. Oh. To me, it's a quintessential musical. It's Maybe. basically, it's a musical about the musicals before, before Rodgers and Hammerstein, before before Cole Porter. It's about these nonsensical shows that they put on. They were just more entertainment value than anything getting deep or art out of it. And this is sort of his tribute to that era, but he makes so much out of it. it be, he basically has these two couples that are going through these, I guess, midlife crises, and the music's... Some of the most memorable of Sondheim's music. Uh, the the staging. I the only productions I've ever seen were the most recent revival with Jan Maxwell uh, I and Bernadette Peters and, um, and what's liked, his name, um, Burstein, Danny yeah, Burstein. Danny. I liked. I saw that yeah, twice. Danny, like I know. <laughs> like we sit next to each other in the diner and elbow. Yeah, that's Danny. Yeah, I saw that twice. The second time I saw you in the theater, and it was an accident. We didn't go together. Yeah, but we. But I saw you at the theater. Yep. I I loved that production so much. Um, I liked Bernadette Peters. I'm not necessarily a Bernadette Peters fan. I wasn't a fan of her the first time I saw it. This was a great. Role the second for time her. I saw her, she was better. She was great. Jan Maxwell was absolute Jan Maxwell was out of perfection. The world. She was like a bulldozer. You know, she dominated that stage. She yeah. Was, and it's like Patrick said, it's these two couples who, uh, when they first met back in the day, the Ziegfeld Follies are having a reunion. I'm telling it wrong, but it doesn't matter. But that's what it basically is. is yeah. They're having a reunion before the building is destroyed for a parking lot. And so it goes into that whole thing about what's important and what do we save and what do we give up and, and what does it work? So... Uh, it's told through these two couples, and one of the couples, he fucks around, and she's crazy, and the other couple, he's got a million dollars, and she, the, like, he's this senator, ambassador-type glamour, yeah. and, uh, and his wife, and the four of them were friends, but they were in love with each other before they married the person they married. So when they confront each other for the first time, and it's not that they confront each other at all, it's warm kisses and in the end. But in the meantime, the people who were involved in the shows back in the day tell their stories. Mm-hmm. 
And that's where the music becomes unbelievable. Yeah. Where you're sort of like, I'm still here. All of that. All, uh, yeah. Yeah. Broadway Baby. Broadway Baby. My, oh my how did God. that song not already exist? Yeah. But I had to wait till Stephen Sondheim came along. Stephen Sondheim wrote... 1971. He wrote Everything's Coming Up Roses before anybody ever used that phrase. Yeah. That's amazing to me. Everything's Coming Up Roses. Nobody... That, that wasn't... You mean that wasn't in the lexicon forever? Yeah. Shakespeare maybe wrote it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no. But, yeah, Follies. Follies is... There are productions is. you can find online, streaming. Go look for it. It's, it's a wonderful show. Find a good production of it, though. There are there are some not-so-good ones. What's next on your list? My, my second one, and this one I thought of and will do in order, thank you very much. Okay. It's Follies. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and you, everything about it, it's visual, it's... It, says something, there's chorus numbers, the numbers are great, the costumes are great, it's this big, you know, musical extravaganza. Yeah, Everything about the gay dancer in me is in love uh, right away. It kills me that the original album, the original production album, they actually cut numbers from it. Yeah, they did. But yeah. yeah I, I, they've never, like, added them back or anything like recordings that. Recordings of it are not in short supply. There's a yeah, oh, no, there's plenty of great recordings of it. There's a concert version where they do every note. And there's a production at the the Paper Mill Playhouse. That may be what I'm talking about. That does all the songs, including the songs that were originally cut from the show. Okay. Okay. Um, Like some of the replacement numbers. They also do the number Ah But Underneath. Ah But Underneath. Which I love. I actually like that number better than The Ballad of Lucy and Jesse. Oh, God. The Ballad of Lucy. There are certain songs that he wrote that I don't know how anybody can sing. That's one of them. How do you not get tripped up in the lyrics? Yeah. Uh, Cinderella coming out of the ball. That's another one. Yeah. How do you sing that fucking song? Because the rhymes become so intense. And you can fall right into them. Oh, how do you remember them? How do you do them in order? Uh, And of course, it's not a big surprise. Right. But holy fuck, Lucy and Jesse is one of them. Yeah. Of course, the the thing with the telephone calling company getting married today. Legendary. Yeah. Go ahead. Let's let's move on to let's your move number on to two. the list. My number two is a show that was not pre- that he, his first show that he wrote. You're gonna say Saturday night. I'm gonna say Saturday night. I'm gonna kick you till you're dead. <laughs> I want so bad to direct a version of Saturday Night. I don't direct musicals. This is a musical I would love to direct too. It's 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 it's, it's a it's a compact show. It's basically the story of these. Bunch of young guys back in 1929, before the stock market hit, on a Saturday night going out and trying to get dates to go out on a Saturday night in Brooklyn. And it p- takes place over two, I think, it's, I don't know if it's two consecutive Saturday nights. I think it is two consecutive yeah. Saturday nights. Uh, but I guess the various storylines, and of course there's a happy ending and everything. It's his most, it's his most um, golden age in style. Yes, you'll never... Here and the closest that he comes to this again is probably a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. No, I disagree with you entirely because the funny thing happened on the way to the forum, those those songs were there to give you a second between jokes. Well, that's true too. Yes, they, they were not written. They were not what Sondheim writes. Right. Okay. Going back to this thing, which was what Saturday night. Saturday night. It had an overture. Yep. Uh, most of his musicals from then don't, don't have, have those, that conventional overture. Nope. There is one that has an overture, but again, it's not really an overture. Yeah. 
I'm talking about you sit down and the lights go to half and the overture begins and during the overture the lights go down, the curtain opens, the show begins, the orchestra ends on a pretty picture on the stage, boom. Yeah. Well, the whole thing plays and then the curtain, like an overture. This is Sondheim before Sondheim. Yeah, he, 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 this was, he wrote in the Golden Age style. Yeah. So the songs come at the same, there's the, the introduction song with the pretty girls and then there's the establishing song and who yeah. are we and this is the, the I want song and there's the, the to dance number and it's all it's it uh and it's gorgeous it's gorgeous it's, it's so much fun. fun the music's great there's some yeah. great numbers class yeah. is a great um I've, solo I've number never, i've never seen that i love one station. i've never seen a production of it uh -huh. i've only seen clips now, even an advertised where have you seen somebody has done it it's only been done once on i think on all i don't know if it was done on broadway or off broadway no it was not done on broadway and i think the recording that we know is Let me check. Do I recording. have it? I have like, a, like a studio. Well, there recording. is. There's two recordings. There's a studio recording, and then there's a yeah. cast recording. I'm wrong. There is a cast recording, right? And that's know, the one I know. Saying. See, I know both of them. Aren't you fucking fancy? <laughs> that's right. I'm gonna have a cookie. Yeah, original cast recording. I believe it was done on Broadway for a limited run. Is that Broadway, though? Hmm? Is that Broadway, though? What do you mean? Limited runs. Well, it's a show, like I said, it was never supposed to be produced in the first place. Yeah. This never happened. But I like finding artists' early works like this. Like, I found out Tennessee Williams play, not about Nightingale. Yeah, right. Which is a, this total, like, social realism play. It's nothing like what he wrote <clears throat> later on. Well, Frogs. Frogs is another early show by Sondheim. Uh, with a ridiculous story. Yeah, oh my God, totally ridiculous story. Not the show. The show doesn't have a ridiculous story. The show is an ancient story from the Greeks about the guy going down to hell to yeah. bring back the wisest person to answer a question. <laughs> and they stage it in the Yale University swimming pool. With Meryl Streep uh, in it. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of, there's a shit ton of like, holy shit. People. I know. Who were um, in that show? First of all, all those people together were at Harvard, JC, but where were they? I think it was at Yale. Yale. Yeah. Yeah, it would be at Yale. In the swimming pool. <laughs> and then and then that that played that was supposed to be, I think, an extended run. Okay. Like an open ended run. Yeah. With Nathan Ling. That was adorable. Yeah. Not brilliant, but it no. was adorable. What's your number three show? Company. Company. How did I know you were oh, gonna pick that? I love that show. It is a good show. It is um, a good show. Yeah, it's I, yeah. Everything I, about it is pastiche, and it's perfect. It, it's it's Bowie's is all pastiche, all of it. Yes, <clears throat> except for the relationship between the two couples. Yeah, this one company is the pastiche at center stage. Yeah, this is where the, the uh, this is the, the pastiche is telling you who the customer. When the three girls come out and do the number, oh, you, you can drive a person crazy. crazy. Now, I have seen professionally only the. Raul Esparza revival. Okay. Which was the second show after the guy who directed Sweeney Todd. I want to say John Doyle. Doyle. He Sweeney Todd was a hit. His next thing was Company. Okay. So it had that same concept. They played the instruments on stage. Yeah. And I find that I saw that production. Yeah. The certain thing with the blocks. Yeah. Some of the plexiglass yeah. blocks. In Sweeney, it worked so well. And I guess this worked. It worked in there. What I liked about it was Bobby didn't play an instrument until the very end uh -huh. of the show. And he played a piano. But all during the rest of the show, he doesn't get anything to play. Even when they do the numbers, they do the side by side. Yes, that's true. He has no instrument to play, not until the very end. That it becomes a thing. Yeah. 
My curiosity is, I wonder if Raul Esparza did not know how to play any instruments and was taught what he needed to learn over the course of rehearsals or before rehearsals began or special rehearsals, whatever it was, but he was taught how to basically play. Yeah, I I love that show. I love that show. I love how it's about nothing. Where, Where he gets his references from, how do you write The Ladies Who Lunch Yeah, without being... Yeah. They're like, how do you write this so perfectly? I said this about... Um, and that's a definitive Sondheim number. Oh, God. If I had to name favorite numbers, I, I, if you I, I would, if my you mind see, would explode. If you ever want to see a great rendition of it, watch the movie Camp, <laughs> where there's a storyline, these two girls, it, it takes place on a, 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 the, a theater summer camp, basically, a theater camp. And there are these two girls who are in this all about Eve storyline. And the one girl, like, poisons, or it doesn't poison, but there's something in this girl's drink so she gets sick or whatever. And they're doing the number, here, here's to the ladies who lunch. And the one girl drops out and the other girl takes over. And it's a masterful rendition of it. I only saw a snip of that movie. That's a fun movie. I know. Robert DeJesus. Robin DeJesus. Okay. Is the gay Latino boy. Okay. Who's now... He is in Tick, Tick, Boom. Okay. He's the best friend. Yeah. In the first reality or second reality, like that movie comes to you from all different perspectives. Yeah. So. Yeah. And Sondheim makes an appearance in camp as well. He does make it. He gets yep. out of the car. Yeah. Sondheim is coming. Sondheim is coming. Right, That's yeah. the dream of every theater queen everywhere. Right. And Sondheim shows up. It's the, yeah. So what's my number three choice? I guess it would have to be Merrily We Roll Along. I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> How did you know I was going to go there? Are we talking about the music itself or the show? The the book itself is problematic. And if I had my way, I would rewrite the book. <laughs> I think the whole premise of it going backwards, I don't see a problem with. I think if he had left the brackets of the graduation, it still could have worked. But he removed them when he re- when he revised it, uh, when they revised the book. Um, Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Did he revise that book, or did he allow it to be revised? I think, well, it allowed it to be revised. Now, here's the thing. He did that But he also, re- also wrote two other songs, or added two other songs. I oh, he'll have to add a well. song, I think. That story is over and over about show after show. Yeah. Fucking Forum. We need an opening. Well, yeah, Forum. Yeah, it's a classic story. Yeah, um, yeah I didn't know. I, I don't know where we were anymore, because you distracted the shit out of me. Merrily, we roll along. Yeah. You know what? Um, it doesn't work. Merrily we roll along as it's written. The, the songs are amazing. The songs are fantastic. Old friends. Old ha- friends. It, a it, day goes by. It's in, in every score, there's one of those, you mean that song didn't exist before? Right. Type of moments. Yeah. Old friends is one of those songs. It's like it should have been around forever. Yeah. My favorite song from that is Our Time. It's a really beautiful song they sing at the very end when they're watching, I forget what, what rocket was going off, and they were watching it from the rooftop. And it's basically the song that ends the kind of ends the okay. show. I don't know the show very Beautiful. well. Oh, I I absolutely love it. It's a shame that it doesn't work. That the book doesn't work. Like I said, I, I'd that, love to get my hands on it. Was it the fault of the staging? Because I mean, it brought well, up yeah, the a original very staging. I think the original staging didn't help. I mean, Harold Prince thought he was making things easier for the audience by having everyone wear. Sweatshirts with their character description on Let's it. Let's be honest. Harold Prince phoned it in. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess it's a way of putting it. Yeah. But it's like, this was the best you could do. This is the it, best you could come up with. It, um, 
uh, it broke up that relationship. And the other problem was they cast way too many young actors for this. They didn't have the experience. They needed to cast older, older, people. older more experienced actors. Looking back. Yep. But they were afraid of how to make them look younger. It's easy to make them the younger kids look older. Yeah. The younger kids don't have the worth ethic, work ethic, worth ethic that, that, blah, blah, blah. that the other that the you assume the adults would have. That's the thing because everyone's in, in the way it's originally written. It opens on a graduation scene. Yes, I mean, and the lead character Franklin Shepard is making a graduation speech. speech, and then his speech becomes so cynical that it basically the students like attack him not not physically but they basically go after him, and then the whole thing starts looking at his life and it goes backwards, backwards. from there. To the, to the end where he's supposed to come to some sort of reconciliation or resolve about his life, but it, I don't think it really happens in the end the way it should. Like I said, the book needs to be rewritten, and I'd love to do it. <laughs> so <laughs> do it. Do it for yourself. I know, right? Sense. Right? Why not just do it? Yeah. It's like, knowing me, I'd get myself in trouble. Well, you don't have to produce it. <laughs> no. Just do it and see well, what's the point of rewriting it if I can't produce it? To see if you can fix it. Because if you can fix it on paper... I mean, there are things that only needed to, that that can absolutely only be done on stage. There's some things that are all about stage. Well, I think one of the biggest problems is is that the lead character is so unlikable in yes. the very beginning. He is totally unlikable in the very beginning. Yes, you you, you can't do that. But that's it, well, <clears throat> can you do it? You can, but it's it's not like you're doing Scrooge in a Christmas Carol, you know. Yeah, and even Christmas Carol doesn't open with Scrooge. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's, yeah. it, it could be it's done. It's a tough sell. Yeah. But it's a great score. And go with the original, not the revised one. Doesn't matter. What's your four show? Number four show. Am I, are we up to four? Right? Yes, we are. Uh, what was number four? So you, you, wait, hold on. Well, so far you've said Follies. I said Follies. No, I said, said, I said, I've said, I've said. Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. Follies. Follies, Company, Into the Woods. Into the Woods. My fourth choice as well. I like Into the Woods. Yes. I like Into the Woods as a full show. I like Into the Woods when you present only act one. <laughs> that, working with kids, what you realize is that they have this whole other business. Right. That they have edited the shows for you, knowing finally... Yeah, and they cut these, act two. So they, they cut... And and the junior version of Into the Woods happens to be just Act One, which is a perfectly happy, friendly, go lucky thing, which is totally not Sondheim, which is why he wrote Act Two and most of his Act Twos, which is why I think Sunday I have a problem with Sunday. Really, I do. I don't. It's like, not on my list. It's not I on my top five. I don't like Act Two of Sunday. Well, yeah, Act Two is another. It doesn't. Yeah, it's not. It's not as I, good as Act One. I don't. I don't it's, like it's it. All. Uh, act One of that show is glorious. Yeah. People have said that about Into the Woods, but I don't think it's true. I think I, the, I think I think it works better than the Act Two of, of Sunday. Sunday Sunday's Act Two is is almost unwatchable. I can't I the, I can't. It's not the same show. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not. Um, it's not the same story. But Into the Woods, it it is. I mean, it's a continuation. It's dark. It's what happens after everybody dies. What happens <laughs> if they're happily ever after? Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> it doesn't end happily ever after. Uh, and that's what I love about it. Yeah, and it was cynical and dark. And what are you doing? And but it's well done. It's well written. The and this is a show that right. should be done. The whole show by I'd say junior high school teenagers. The whole least. show. The whole show. 
Because that's when they you need to start learning. It's that. A, uh, that's that's a, it's it's definitely at a high school level where they're doing uh, uh, Into the Woods. Where yeah. They're doing it with, uh, junior high, they're doing the junior version, which is Act One. Okay. Which at least is the introduction to the language. Yes. True. So when eventually, if they do it in their career, or if they do it at college, or if they do it in high school coming up, or they're introduced to that language. Yeah. Uh, it's a that opening is a fucking beast. The opening is incredible. Twelve minutes long. I know it's an incredible opening for a show. It's you like, meet all the characters. Yeah, it's you find out the what they're doing. All the exposition is done, done in that twelve minutes. All of Act One is here's the story. And the music, bam. And the music for it just keeps you going. It's, it's just uh, it just uh, keeps uh, you going. It's right actually through. riveting. There were yeah. a lot of songs that hit. Um, uh, what's the song about the guy? Uh, uh, what's the the show? Nah, fuck me. The guy who who or evening primrose. Okay, okay. Which should be expanded. Yes. Man, I don't think that's ever been done on stage. He, I don't think so either. His song at the beginning, which is on a recording somewhere. I, I have Neil Patrick Harris singing. Yeah, that's what I have too. What a and and that keeps you going. Yeah. The way he was. This led me to a question to you before. As a lyricist or a writer, what do you mean, Sondheim? Where, where, where does your he? Oh, I think I think he always wanted to be taken seriously as a composer, and that it killed him that Richard Rodgers was always thought with more esteem. Yeah, uh, he was able to write the lyrics, but it seems to me like the lyrics weren't the. He wasn't interested. He wanted to write the whole thing. What do you think? Well, what like, you which which is which does he excel at more? At, me, at, at music or lyrics? Yeah, I guess at different th- at different times it's different things. I I look at uh, a show like Gypsy and those songs. Roses turn. Could Bernstein have come up with those lyrics? No, but could Sondheim have written that melody? Actually, maybe. That, that's maybe that song. If you're talking specifically about that song, Roses turn, that song was created according to legend at a piano upstairs after rehearsal. The two of them drinking. Yeah, so. You know, that's how collaboration works. Even everything's coming up roses. And he would say... Could you know, come up with the lyrics to that? No, no, no. Uh, There are some lyrics he's embarrassed by. Oh, of course, he's admitted that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He says, like, he just, like, went too flowery on some song, especially in West Side Story. I feel pretty. He's talked about, yes. Yeah. That's the prime example. Yeah. And he's right. But I don't know, I mean... Like I said, I think he's a fantastic lyricist, it's but he's better. also a fantastic composer. composer. The structure of his shows and the way he grabs a melody and plays that melody throughout the show, it becomes like a unifying structure for it. The motifs, yes. It, yeah. No one does it like him. Well, now, he's, he's also known to have been a big fan of puzzles and mysteries. Yes, Definitely. And I think he the combination of that like that led to Sweeney a hundred percent. But but what he did even in other things was the time signatures, or you know the, the way it would switch from key, from one key to the other and back again. Yeah. Like how does conversation sound? And that's how I'm going to write the music. So yeah. it sounds like conversation. Well, I'm going to talk about that more in my final. All right, so show. you're up to. What well, we, up to? we both agreed on Into the Woods. So that was number four. That was number four. So uh, what's your number five? I, I struggle a little here. Okay. Okay, because it's the last one. And it's I know. Uh, Assassin wins. <gasps> you fuck. That's my number five, yeah. too. <laughs> Assassin's wins. I did Assassin's. Okay. I played Charles Guiteau in that. Okay. And I remember the rehearsals we had for this one song, another national anthem. 
and it's the entire ensemble that sing it. But everyone's coming in at different uh, points yeah. with different lyrics, and it took us a week to learn that song. Now, uh, back in the day, when I was young and wear tights, yep. I did a production of a chorus line. What you say? That's crazy. Everybody in the chorus line sings, but no. Yeah. Larry, the dance assistant to the director, doesn't sing. <laughs> so what they did was they gave me that whole step, kick, kick, leap, kick, touch thing. Okay. In it, I wore a company t-shirt. Okay. Because it's supposed to be Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett choreographed company. Company yeah. would have been the show before that. Okay. So, uh, and I got it from a girl and who was doing the show at Nassau Community College. And she said, we started learning that number. Okay. We never stopped working on it. We staged the whole show. And the last thing we learned was the opening number. Yeah. Oh, everybody's got the right to be free. Yeah. No, 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 no. A company. The opening number. Oh, company. company. Okay. Where the entrances are, are impossible, and you yeah. count to what? And it's and it. Yeah. 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 Stuff like that is is fucking hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's it hard. is. Sweeney Todd's another Sweeney one. Sweeney that opening like that. is amazing. It's a beautiful yeah. beginning too. Oh man, the melodies in that. I just... The the first thing he does is scare the shit out of you with I that know. sound. Yeah. But let's get back to Assassins. Assassins. Oh, the poor show. This is a show that was cursed from the beginning when it first it opened. It really was. So I say 9-11 happened. Yeah. So it yeah. didn't last long, unfortunately, but it came back in a, in a Broadway revival that I saw, that I later found out, I didn't realize at the time, one of my college fraternity brothers was in the show. No, he wasn't. Yeah. He what played he? Uh, Cholgosh. Okay. Yeah. He was he was in the original Broadway production. Nice, and, and that was one with Mario Cantone in it. Right, he played Samuel Bick. Right, what a great production that yeah. was. Okay. Plus, we had the extra pleasure of at one point because uh, Neil Patrick Harris was in it. Yeah, he was. And this was done. I think it was Studio Fifty Four at the time. So we were at sitting at tables. Was it at Studio Fifty Four? Yeah, I think it was. Why am I talking so hot? I don't know. I should stop. Go ahead. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna it's in Act Two, whatever I give, what I feel, whatever the number is. But all of a sudden, Neil Patrick Harris is standing behind Stephen, your Stephen, my my husband, and he starts rubbing his shoulders. Were there charges pressed? <laughs> no, no charges were pressed. Stephen was like, "Oh my God, yeah. Neil Patrick Harris is rubbing my shoulders." Yeah, yeah. And then he eventually stopped, and he went up on stage. Yeah. <laughs> Go to whoever's in that seat. You're in that seat because the light can't hit you from anywhere else. It's got to be that the right? person in that seat, whoever it is. But it's it's a good show. It's a show that really should be seen. It's a risky show. Well, like company, it, it doesn't follow a conventional plot line. No, let's talk about. Let's go back. Playwrights Horizons. Okay. You know, to the extent, uh, thank God for fucking Playwrights Horizons. Yes, because <laughs> they were like. You mean one of the most respected, you know, musical theater composers of the last century wants to write a show about uh, assassinations of U.S. presidents and tell it from the assassin's perspective yeah. and make them look, <coughs> if not heroic, at least not anti-American. They look more human. They're not just... A story in a, in a history book. It's like you, you you're not allowed to give them a shot to say anything. They can't defend themselves. They the uh, and so what he does is he gives each one of them a voice. I mean, it doesn't. It, they don't. They all try to defend their positions, however wrong headed they may be. But right. 
that's what most of what they do is you and know, try not, to justify themselves. Clearly, it's not meant to be hidden because it's it's clearly laid out each one's intentions and how demented they were. Yeah, and like you'll hear some of the reasons that they give or whatever, and you're like, wow, that's not too different from what's going on today, you know? Or aren't these people us? Well, Samuel Bick is probably, I think, the best example of that. Of what? Aren't these people us? Or? Now, about how close he is to us. Oh, oh, God. Um, he, was, he was this man who tried to hijack a plane to crash into the White House. Yeah, back when Nixon, Nixon was president. Yeah. And he's played by Mario Cantone in, the Broadway, in his Broadway revival. And he's doing this, this tape recording for his family before he goes off and commits his act. And it's this whole long, tragic monologue that all about his love for his family and all his frustrations. And it's like, wow, that's a lot of people who live in America now. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing is, God, I know that guy. Yeah. I know that guy. Right. And people don't like that when you talk about people who killed the president. Yeah, exactly. That became the type of thing, you don't talk about this, you shouldn't talk about this, why are you giving these people a... Um, but don't get the idea that the show glorifies these people. It doesn't do it that. Does, it does not. It's more of um, a musical but unvarnished look at these people as they present themselves. The same way Company was an unvarnished look in his perspective of married people at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not changed too much either. I know. Or, you know, the class distinctions and the the, re, the revenge plots that happened around Sweeney Todd. Although I think Sweeney Todd was all... I think all of them were all like, let's let's explore this... Uh, the the way the way um, oh, fuck my my words don't happen. Hold, hold That's on. okay. Hold on. We've been talking a long time. We really have. What's the one with the waltzing? Uh, a little night music. A little night music. A little night music is the whole score is written in three quarter time. Yes. Somehow or another, it's written. So he gave himself this test. Yes. This, this these boundaries, these self induced boundaries. We're going to write an entire score in three quarter time and see what happens. And I think to one degree or another, all of them were one of those, were something like that. Yes. Uh, and I, I think that makes that's, that makes um, every show sound different because it's it served the story. You yeah. You can tell a Sondheim song, though. What's that? You could tell a Sondheim song. Yeah. Oh, God. You can definitely tell one from a, a Roger Hammerstein yeah. or a Cole Porter or a Jerry Herman. Yeah. A Sondheim song has a... You just... You know it when you hear it. And I don't know how that is, because the thing Madonna did in the gangster movie... Uh, Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy. sang... Uh, Which is a great number. Uh, Sooner or Later. Sooner or Later. Great job. And there's the other one. Uh, but it sounds like a hundred songs. More. is another, another fun number. Yeah. And she does a great... She does a good job with those, she you know? Does. And they're great Sondheim well songs. And they're great songs. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, continue. What do we have? Well, to? that's the end of Five Faves. And our discussion of our favorite Sondheim musicals. Yeah. I always said that I wanted to go into When They Dim the Lights. Oh, yeah. That's a bucket list thing for me. And I sort of promised myself I would go when Sondheim died. And it's going to be probably Saturday? Well, no. This past Sunday, they already did a memorial in, on Times Square. No, I'm talking about dimming the lights. Oh, okay. <clears throat> I don't know when they're going to do that. Um, it usually takes a couple of days. Yeah. They'll probably wait till Saturday. And I always promised myself I would go in for that. And I'm not going. No. I don't want to be around that many people. I know. Well, not right now. No, I don't blame you. I really don't. I know. Uh, and it kills me, and, and I'm heartbroken, but I think he's getting the respect that he deserves. Yes, I agree. I agree. We now move on to our final segment of the night, the Grumpy Old Game and Gripe of the Week. 
What gripe do you have for us this week, Tommy? Are you going to unleash me on this one? Yes, I am. The fucking Christmas decorations and the war on Christmas. Oh, okay. Fuck you, war That's on two Christmas people. Okay. No, no, one is because of the uh, the war on Christmas. Okay, the war on Christmas. Fuck you. There is no war on Christmas. There is no war on Christmas. Don't use it as a thing to It's me. a made-up propaganda thing by Fox News. Here's, here's what bothers me about the right wing. It's so blatantly ridiculous. Yeah, of course it is. And they run with it all the time and people just need to stop taking them seriously and this I've home. never been I've You're never so been full of shit. I've never been a fan of Christmas. I remember as a kid standing outside my father was put, my father so I was a kid kid. Yeah. Putting up lights around the house, me standing on the front lawn with my mother crying and her telling me daddy's putting the lights on the house so Santa Claus can find the house. Yeah. And me crying and saying, I don't want Santa Claus to come. I don't want Santa Claus to come. It's one of those flash memories. Yeah. Okay. And it's always been the same. And that's the... Uh, so I've never been a Christmas person. Okay. I hate this shit. <laughs> I hate that every fucking major road has to have wreaths on every... Or your fucking candle or your crosses. I fucking hate this. It's cool getting in the holiday spirit. I... I hate this. <laughs> I do. I hate this. And the fact that it's... You're turn- sounding grinchy. Uh, uh, yeah, well, go back to the famous Christmas specials. <laughs> well, was my first two. You wouldn't let me have the second one. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... it's it, has, it, it, it gets more and more grotesque every year, and it happens earlier and earlier every year, and I, I, I hate it. I hate I it. I know. I know. Um, and so I try to not... Uh, yeah, I, what I want to do is lay in bed, put my covers over my head, and I, I just, when it's over, I'll come back. Okay. So, yeah, that's my gripe, is it's the holidays, and I don't want to, and I don't feel it, and I'm not having it, and here it is, and there's going to be everything everywhere, and I and stop. Yeah. So, that's my gripe of the week, Christmas. All right, Fuck Mr. You. Grinch. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> Say hello to Max for us. <laughs> Max loves you even though you're a bitch. <laughs> want to hear what my gripe of the week is? I can hardly wait. Fascists marching in my town. Oh, God. I guess you heard about the Proud Boys, that they, on Saturday, I guess because Friday was Black, uh, Black Friday, so they declared Saturday to be White Saturday. And I know it made the news that they marched in Rockville in Center. Rockville. There were a couple other places. Yeah, well, one of those other places was here in Farmingdale. Oh! Yeah, they marched in the village of Farmingdale. To say I'm unhappy about it would be an understatement, to say the least. I'm How many people? furious about it. it was, I think it was about 20 people, they're saying. They had one vehicle, you know, following behind them, you know, blasting whatever music or whatever. Supposedly they were, like, sticking their heads in store doors and saying stuff. I don't know. I wasn't there. This is only what I'm reading what's been reported. Right. I wish there was more to be done about them marching. Number Well, what pissed me off is Rockville Center. It's reported that, oh, the Rockville Center police were there uh, to, to make sure order. they... Yeah, to keep order, to make sure they stayed orderly. It was an illegal fucking march. Get them the fuck off the road. How many people were there? About 20 people. All right. Patrick? Yep. I understand what you're saying. I want to present something different. Okay, you go right ahead. 20 people, 40 people, 50 people. Uh-huh. Uh, they're not causing that. They're not causing it. So they're being monitored. They're not causing damage. They're interfering with traffic. They're interfering with traffic for three minutes. Could be more than three minutes. It, what, uh, for 20 people to watch? 
How long is it going to take? Twenty people marching. The, um, what I'm saying is that it's not enough of a disruption to get bent about it. Oh, I disagree. I hate that it's here. I hate it's that it been happens. enough. I hate Long that it Island is that. It's been enough. Long Island is as conservative as it is. When we start tolerating these right wing fascist assholes marching on our streets, we're done for. I'm sorry, and I'm not saying we should go out there and start beating heads with them. I'm saying remove them from the street when they're engaging in illegal activities like an illegal march. If they were black people, you'd have no problem going after them. Especially in Rockville Center. Yeah, exactly. But no, they were white, so they get away with it. Because they kept it in an orderly fashion. They were. Fuck that. Fuck these fascists. I like to know who they are. If well, they all hide them. They all hide now under the masks. They hide. If you, I don't know if you saw any of the video. I did the not see any of the video. And they're all covered up. Of course, they're wearing the, you know, the supposedly the virus. They're not really wearing the virus mask. But they're all wearing masks and sunglasses and hats. So you can't recognize who you they can't, are. They're in disguise. They might as well just be wearing hoods. 20 people. You know? 25 people, 30 people, 50 people. Mm-hmm. Holding up traffic, being an asshole. That's what it is. Yeah, I know. Remove them. <laughs> Remove them. And bring me their heads. <laughs> I didn't say that. No. You didn't I didn't to. say that. I'm not threatening violence. I'm saying their presence should not be tolerated within I, all legal boundaries. I can't disagree with you. I'm just... I'm, I'm so fearful of the direction this country is heading. I don't want to tell and people... And to see this happening in your hometown frightens the shit out of me. Honey, it really does. For a really long time. Yeah, well, it's really obvious again now. It's really obvious. Where you got people like, what's her name? Bohart, Bernhardt, Bobert, Bieber. Bobert. Bobert. She's a dangerous woman. Well yeah, well, yeah. She shouldn't be in Congress. None of those, those assholes like her in green... And don't saw none of them should be in Congress. She, she. I don't know. I can't go far. I like. I can't picture the per, the people you're talking about. I know they. They're all fascists. Let's put it that green. way. But this woman is taking her moment in the sun, and of course now she's gonna raise money off of it. It's scary. She's gonna raise her campaign That's money the off of it. She's not as scary as the one third of the population that agree with her. Well, no kidding. So I want to know who they are. And if they're going to march down the road fucking waving flags, that way I know who they are. You know. So, and, and I don't want to tell somebody that they can't express themselves, uh, even despite what I just said about Christmas decorations. <laughs> are we done with this topic? I'm done. Then we have come now to the conclusion of this episode. Okay. We want to thank our producer and my husband, Stephen Premdegas, especially the pies. The, the pies. They were great. Absolutely delicious. Our episodes are available on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and many other podcast providers. That's seven <coughs> plus whatever else he said. Yes. Seven ways. You can also go to our website, www.grumpyoldgamemanandtheirdogs.com. We have a blog set up there, and we also have links from our last episode to some of the holiday specials we talked about. How often? Wait, the specials? Wait, what is happening? Yeah, from the last episode, remember we talked about holiday specials? Yeah. 
So then I followed your suggestion. And what'd you do? And I posted links to those, spe- to oh, some cool. those specials on our blog. Nice. I thought so, too. That's what our blog should be doing. Well, that's what it's doing. Excellent. Good work. Thank you. Who's in charge of IT and then and putting out the... That would be uh, me. You're in charge of that. Yes. You're well done. Well, thank you. Well done. So glad for your help. Uh, listen, if I had passwords, if I could access uh. anything, all I could do <laughs> is respond. <laughs> So don't. We are also available on Facebook and Twitter. And you can email us at Patrick at grumpy old game and their dogs.com. And, and and that's it. That's it. That's, that's it. how you can reach us. Yes. Patrick said a plethora of ways. No through Patrick. <laughs> you bitches can't talk to me at all. The only way is through a message to it. The same way I can respond is just to a response. Anyway, we'll, we'll see if we can remedy that sometime yeah, we'll in the future. See. We'll see. Talk to my husband. He's a producer. I'm not talking to anybody. Oh, fine. Be like that. Have Go a ahead. Get us out of here. We will now bid you good night, and we'll see you next week for another episode. Until then, have a good night, have a good weekend, and we'll see you next week. Bye, bitches.